Chris, that sounded like a very, very bad die roll. Okay. All right. Two. All right, Chris, the topic we will be discussing today is what do you do when you don't like the tone at the game table? Ooh. Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. Andy, and I didn't I didn't tell you this before we hit record, but I'm going to call out that this is the, the second take of this episode. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> there is, I think, this would be the third time in the history of this podcast we recorded something, and in retrospect, we're like, nope. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this one I'm going to chalk up to technical difficulties more than anything. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so we'll just be reading the script, which is kind of weird that we had this, you know, this part of it written in the script the first time through too, but, you know, like it's, that's just how it goes when you're right, right. Yeah. So Chris, uh, do you want to, uh, yeah. why don't you share... So you've had an exciting week or so. Why did we have technical difficulties? I'm, oh. I'm teeing you up. The, uh, yeah, that is a, that's a good what's segue. The, what's the sports term? Do you, if I'm setting, if I'm like putting you in a good position to hit the ball, what am I doing? I mean, teeing up sounded pretty good. There's probably okay. like a, a handful of them for every every sport out there. Let's see what, like there's alley-oops in ba- basketball. Okay. Um, we got to get at least one of them like really wrong, though. So what, John Corey. Gets what's mad the volleyball? <laughs> what's the volleyball one where you? Oh, when you set? Yeah. Yeah. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's what I have in my mind. That's what I was doing for you. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Carry on. Um, yeah. Anyway, so we had uh, if if you are in southeastern Michigan, um, or I guess in the Midwest, you're probably extremely aware of this, but there was a. a pretty bad uh ice storm that, that ripped through so we were without power at my house for a handful of days um which meant that you know everything just sort of got thrown into absolute chaos um you know especially with with two kids at home as well so we ended up at a hotel for a few days yeah and just trying to like check in on the house making sure it was still standing <laughs> standing here and there but yes so all is better all is right with the world i um, have been promised by our electric company that this will never happen again oh, um, of course yeah I've, I have no reason to distrust them, right? Because <laughs> they let it happen the first time. So. I have to share uh, my sister. I have a sister who lives in rural, very rural Alaska. Mm-hmm. And my sister has a convoluted little armada of raspberry pies set up monitoring mm. temperature around the house that send like panicky emails if power goes out or something like that. Because I think you have like seven minutes to avoid your pipes freezing and breaking yeah. where she lives. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> it's similar to like, if the sun goes out, you have what, ten, <laughs> 10 minutes left before all the heat and light. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's pretty smart. I mean, it did. So, I mean, right. Like again, cause we all have GM brain, like thinking about the power outage really just makes you aware of all the, all the little conveniences in your life that, that really matter, <laughs> really matter to you. Yeah. And just how like useless you would be on an actual adventure. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, if I don't have my, um, you know, my special pillow and my, <laughs> my <seat laughs> right, machine, right. like I'm not going to make it, <laughs> I'm not going to make it a week. In the so, he, so thinking yeah. of that, so obviously post apocalyptic type of stuff is very popular these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of good post-apocalypse RPGs out there. How long do you think it takes before, imagine this is like a game scenario, how mm-hmm. long before you decide this may not ever end and I 
need to switch into survival mode? Oh, that's a really good question, right? So, like, we're watching The Last of Us right now, and I, there's there's definitely some characters in that show that, like, it was 20 minutes into the, <laughs> into the zombie <laughs> outbreak, like, finally, my time to shine. Right. Um, I am probably the, like, I'm not going to last at all in, in the post-apocalypse. So, probably, like, it would take me, like, a year before I would be like, <laughs> you know maybe maybe we're not going back to normal, <laughs> normal right. on this one yeah month 10 chris is just you know up oh, the government will roll into yeah. town any day now and fix this <laughs> yeah as we've learned from from every possible retelling that you're telling <laughs> of the post-apocalypse the government's gonna be the one that'll save us all <laughs> right yeah. well chris uh we're obviously all glad to have you back and yeah. back in your home where there's electricity and power and all the other things that we yes. need to live and that we need in order to run good role-playing games. Yes, Although absolutely. Yeah. I did suggest it to you at I did suggest to you at the time mm-hmm. and I am profoundly disappointed in you that you did not do that candlelight RPG session. Yes, uh, yeah, that is true. It would have been a perfect time to yeah, play ten candles um, yeah, exactly. in the, inside the, the chilly increasingly cold in colder and colder living room (laughs) (laughs) so in between power failures and infrastructure collapses have you been watching or reading anything with a gamey connection yeah we have been watching um poker face which i think you've been watching as well i have Um, yes on your recommendation i think or maybe it was the other way around yeah i'm not sure um exactly so this is a is it Ryan Johnson? Is that how you say his name? Yeah, I Ryan. I never know how to say his name, so let's just say Ryan. I, I think it's that, right? So he is—he uh, has done the, the like *Knives Out* movies. He did one of the um, *Star Wars* movies, which I thought was fine, but I'm not a real fan, so you know, whatever. You know, <laughs> keep your opinions to yourself. Yeah, uh, but, I'm, I just listeners, I'm having a little hard time breathing. It'll yeah, be okay. Yeah, I'll deal with Chris after the recording. Don't yes. worry. He also did a movie called, I think it might have been his first feature film called Brick, um, which was also sort of a mystery um, oh, movie yeah. that was kind of an indie darling way back when. Um, anyway, so this is a this is a guy who sort of like knows how to do a mystery on like in a visual medium. Yeah, so Poker Face is like sort of his his crack at Columbo, I guess you could kind of say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it stars Natasha Leone is like the main character but it's it's super good i i really like it um i am also just like such a sucker for those those types of shows and i think it's like you and i have talked like neither of us are the sorts of people who are like oh that's the twist like we, right. we know what the yeah. twist is yeah it's just like it surprises me every time how she solves, solves oh yeah <laughs> i'm i'm surprised by twists in like transformers movies that's yeah. how that's how big of a sucker i am I, yeah. and i love it too. yeah it's great it's it's a really fun way to live um <laughs> yeah so i mean like the the mysteries are not com- or the the like the murders are not complex i would say in poker face um like you know it's usually sort of hinges on one or two details um, that she picks up on, you know, a couple minutes before that you you pick up up, up, up on them. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's really good. Um, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I think we're like three three or so episodes in. Um, it does have me thinking about Brindlewood Bay, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, it's a, a pretty pretty easy hop, skip, and a jump over to, to Brindlewood Bay. I feel like know. mysteries are enjoying a bit of a renaissance in the gaming the RPG world right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, and I feel like. A lot of smaller scale projects, RPG projects over the last five years have circled around the mystery-ish genre. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's just a hunch I have. But I, it feels like it's almost everyone loves a good mystery, right? In mm-hmm. some, I mean, there's different variants on, on mystery and what that could look like. But we all love a good mystery story. But I 
you know, I don't think it's too controversial to say it's a really underserved genre in the RPG world. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've, I've seen countless discussions of like, how do I do a mystery in such and such a system? Uh, Or, you know, how do I, how do I do a murder mystery in D and D and things like that? And um, I don't know. I think it's kind of delightful to see stuff like Brindlewood Bay. Like there's some older stuff. Like I just picked up uh, monster of the week uh, Mm -hmm. recently, which while not a murder mystery, exactly, I think is born out of that same, that same interest in that, um, in that sort of serial, um, serial mystery genre. Um, yeah. And I've got like on my shelf, I've got like bubble gum shoe and some mm-hmm. other games. So I don't know. I don't know if anyone solved the, the myst- how to do mysteries and RPGs. I think Brindlewood Bay, Brindlewood Bay would get my vote for coming the closest to nailing it. But uh, yeah. yeah, it gets the closest to nailing the feeling. And I think like we've talked about in the past about how a lot of role playing is, is wanting to emulate genre right like that's sort of what you what you're after yeah and i think like that satisfaction of solving the case is just like such a a high that everybody is chasing and brindlewood bay just gets that exactly right right like yeah you just you get a bunch of clues you piece them together and you like you can make a die roll and sort of see if you're, (laughs) you're successful or not yeah um yeah i was talking with my my wife about this a little bit too like i was trying to we're we're thinking about um we're talking about like true crime podcasts like this is not a genre that I enjoy at all. So despite yeah. enjoying murder mysteries, like the idea of a true crime podcast is just like, why would you ever subject <laughs> subject <laughs> yourself to that? Um, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask you, is that uh, is that a genre that you you enjoy? Well, first of all, I have to say, isn't it so weird that the one of the coziest genres around is the murder mystery yeah. genre? Yeah, it's, it's like a yeah. close cousin to the grimmest, most bleak genre possible, which is like, you know, true crime. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've enjoyed a handful. I've like listened to one or two seasons of like serial. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I guess I enjoy interesting real life cases. I don't enjoy what I would consider the more kind of lurid, like, like let's, let's see what Marilyn or let's see what, you know, uh, Manson, how he Mm -hmm. killed all his victims, like that sort of thing. So, yeah. 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 There is that. Like, um, I tried to watch, um, Dexter a little bit and it was just, it it sort of like reveled in the, like how he did it. Yeah. Serial killers. I I have, I have no interest in slash. I'm somewhat repulsed by in general, the serial killer genre. Although Mm -hmm. I realize that's, if, I mean, no offense if you're into that sort of thing. It's just yeah. not for me. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, like I'm, uh, I was just thinking about um, uh, the I Am Legend. Did you see that that movie or I guess read the? <laughs> see yeah, the movie. I was going to say you. you that is a book. Right? That is a flaming hot take right there. Yeah. I've read the book and I've yes. seen the you know abomination that is yes. the movie. But yes. Anyway, I was thinking about that, and um, I mean that's a it's a fantastic short story, but like it really kind of it it, it talks about um, like you know it's almost told from the perspective I would say of, of a serial killer. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it does sort of make me wonder about like, you know, you have these tabletop games, you know, so it's like this, the, the murder hobos um, designation gets kind of thrown around a lot yeah. about various parties and stuff. But like, I mean, yeah, you think about it, like the, the, the trail of destruction that a typical adventuring party leaves would be the sort of thing that a detective could spend their entire career trying to <laughs> try to track yeah. down and, and bring these people to justice. Um, yeah, so I don't know about if there's any any RPGs that really kind of like 
play into that um that part of the part of the experience but i think it'd be kind of a fun thing to explore if there's a a way to be like yeah the the person who has to go and clean up after the heroes ah for sure the uh a couple quick comments yeah i recently actually read um i I read that book with my teenager and Mm -hmm. they picked up much quicker than you know i read it when i was young as well for the first time so i was one of them to read it while they were at a good age for it they picked up much faster than me that he's just the main character is just basically a serial killer um i was again harking back to that i'm a sucker for all kinds of twists i just take at face value whatever a film or book is telling me and then i'm blown away when the twist arrives but yeah <laughs> it took me a lot longer to realize oh if you look at this from a slightly different angle this guy is a psychopathic killer uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh but so can you rephrase your question uh for oh me? yeah yeah so I, I was asking yeah so i did sort of talk uh, talk a lot right there um i was wondering if there are any any games out there that you've experienced or seen that sort of deal with that like what would you how would you play a game where you're sort of like uh, dealing with the aftermath of what the heroes have done? That's a great question. I feel like most games in storytelling in general, you know, the story we want to see is that the, is that justice is done and the problem is solved. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're just hardwired to see, to think that the protagonist should be the one who's doing the solving or the bringing to justice. Uh, you and I have chatted a little bit about like occasionally in shows like glass, uh, glass onion did this. You'll get like a mystery where you can solve or actually poker face does this a little bit too. You can solve the mystery, but not resolve it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really unsatisfying space to live in. Mm-hmm. unless you're a really good storyteller. And so I feel like an RPG that pitched, that posited that. So first of all, I mean, it would work as a fantastic, I think anyone would get into it as like a one shot, you know, you're mm-hmm. the cleanup crew after John Wick has like, you know, plowed through the scene or something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think long-term, most of us would shift to want to be whoever had, done who whoever had been this we would feel like we were not the star of the story and i think mm-hmm. that would be a little uncomfortable unless you had great player buy-in which maybe you do yeah yeah you're right i mean yeah player buy-in is sort of sort of everything but i think i think you're right and once you hit the point where it was like you had cleaned up whatever had happened or you'd brought the uh you know the, the so-called heroes to justice or whatever i think there there wouldn't be a lot of impetus to sort of like go on to the next one right it would be this thing that yeah like you you've completed the mission right like there's nothing there isn't a second step there right um, yeah yeah but as a and one shot it could be super fun yeah. i guess incredibly well mild spoilers for glass onion so skip ahead 30 seconds you know as you and i have discussed with glass onion there's a point at the end where in real life you would stop and call the cops and step mm-hmm. back um but in the world of the movie that would be unsatisfying so the movie acknowledges okay this is the point where normally the cops would be called but we're gonna move ahead anyway and and bring justice here yeah because that call it stopping and calling the authorities wouldn't bring a satisfying justice conclusion right yeah yeah that's a good way to say it um yeah go go watch glass onion if you, uh, if you haven't but it's yeah it's 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 pretty good <laughs> so chris i have one more question related oh, yeah. to this before we jump into our tone mm-hmm. topic of tone and i'm wondering because 
Poker Face, like many other, um, you know, stories that we watch, it has the, it uses the device of showing you what happened. So you, you watch the murder take place and you know who did it and everything like that. And then Mm -hmm. it basically pulls the like, you know, 24 hours earlier. Yeah. Uh, trick and you see that in lots of different shows have you ever done or have you ever thought of an rpg session that started you know with that uh that kind of climactic scene and then was Mm. like we're gonna rewind two days before we you know and yeah yeah what have you ever tried that or thought about it um yeah so my gm matt um we did a, I think it was in the Planescape universe. He actually did that. He so he started us off with like a here's here's the scene that you're sort of shooting for, and then mm. let's go back back three days. Yep, and try to get there. Um, which was a gutsy move on his part. We got there, we got there, and then and it was very very fun to see that see that pulled off. Um, I think like to me this sort of comes down to the question of like how do you how do you think about how the story is being told at your table so i know a lot of people will use the language of cinematography when they're describing um scenes so they might even talk about like the camera itself sort of moving around the scene that's not necessarily how i like to describe stuff so i think it'd be hard for me to be like here's this other thing that you sort of need to know about but like you're not there necessarily right like yeah so giving them that that whole scene in a way that isn't like maybe i don't know like a write up from a newspaper or something like that after mm-hmm. afterwards like i think that would that sort of break it would break it a little bit um for me yeah cuz then otherwise like then you're hitting then you're getting to this point where it's like well how do i make sure that whatever whatever the players did in this scene that I told that's in the future <laughs> like how do i make sure that we we sort of get there together to where they yeah. would still do that in the same way um yeah so then when, oh, go ahead oh uh, i was just gonna ask as a player i didn't mean to cut you off as a player did you find yourself consciously working towards that scene yes yeah and we could like as soon as we started seeing it sort of coming it was like oh great like you know we've we've sort of hit the checkpoint <laughs> mm-hmm. hit the checkpoint there um that group i think really liked that sort of setup i could see some people like being like well we're just on you know it's a railroad situation right like there's no no way for us to change change the outcome of that um yeah yeah which sort of like whatever i i'm <laughs> listen to any of this this podcast i'm i'm not against that that style of uh, of storytelling the one game that I think does this super well is 10, 10 Candles actually does have you record a message to be like um, to be played at the end of the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you record a message in character um, on like a phone or you know, tape recorder or something like that. And then at the end of it, you, you play play all those messages. Um, you know, at the table, it's super fun. It's very bleak, right? Because like the the whole <laughs> the whole game is like there is going to be a total party kill. Like it's just sort of a matter of what what ends up happening. Yeah. So you have sort of your your last your last words put down in a recording. Um, yeah. Beforehand. Yeah, and that's like it's super good. And I mean, I think if you have the right players, everybody's sort of working towards making that true as yeah. part of the game. Uh, in at least one of the alien games I ran, I had a player at the end of the game read kind of a a Ripley style closing monologue. You know, this mm-hmm. is the last survivor of the monster yeah. signing off. What if you, next time I do alien, I'm going to think about having that be opening with that, but leaving it vague, like who the only survivor is, but yes. communicating clearly that only one person will be alive at the end of this. Oh, that is uh, really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Well, hey, let's jump into our topic here. Yeah. Um, so this is a topic we have. I, I don't think we have actually discussed this as a an official topic, at mm-hmm. least not in this form. But you and I have certainly spent a lot of time over the years and episodes talking about this question of hitting the right tone at the game table. And I mm-hmm. guess this question is specifically about what do you do when the tone is off? Yeah. But do you have any uh, opening thoughts on this or quick gut reactions? Yeah, yeah. I think when we've talked about this in the past, sort of the the phrasing we've used is like um, like like adventure slapstick is sort of the that ends yeah. up being somewhat the default the default tone of most gaming tables that we've been at. Um, yeah, where like you, unless you're being really careful, you trend towards sort of yeah, like jokey violence, right? <laughs> like yeah, um, in, in the yeah. absence of a. In the absence of a different tone, it mm-hmm. seems to gravitate towards that kind of uh, Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy style like jokiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which like again, like I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily see that as like a, a totally negative thing, but you know, sometimes you don't want that, right? Like sometimes you don't want that tone um, either as part of the session or for the entire session. You know, yeah. and there's there's good and valid reasons reasons why you might want to do that um yeah so i was going to ask you you know like you are running a call of cthulhu game right now right which in theory should have some horror (laughs) horror elements to it i guess how are you navigating navigating that because like again call of cthulhu has plenty of opportunities to go adventure slapstick if you let it but if you want to lean into that horror you yeah how do you make that happen yeah good question so i have a i before i address that call of cthulhu question i want to say I, I have wondered sometimes if actually D&D, I, I don't think it's a surprise, I don't think it's too revelatory to say that this sort of um, Joss Whedon, unfortunately, just this Whedon-esque mm-hmm. style of uh, banter and dialogue has sort of taken over an awful lot of our mm-hmm. at least cinematic, and, and frankly, I've read a lot of books that have a sort of Whedon-ish uh, vibe to them published in the last 15 or so years. Yeah. I sometimes wonder if D&D has, was one of the places that we got this from, simply oh. because as long as I can remember, going back for me, this is going back to the early 80s, that uh, jokey, uh, taking it seriously but not too seriously style has been like intrinsic to almost every D game i've played and i just wonder if like the resurgence of this is due i mean obviously a lot of it's due to kind of comic comic book storytelling um but i just personally wonder if if there's a lot of people out there in creative industries that grew up playing D and absorb this as sort of a as a default way to be participants in an adventure story. Huh. That's that's a fascinating point. Uh, I guess I want to flip that around to you just real quick. So I, I have not watched The Expanse before, but does The Expanse also sort of fit into that? Because I know that is a that's a show that is very much driven by sort of a tabletop mentality. It is. It's short. It it does not. It's not Guardians of the Galaxy level. Like we're not taking this seriously at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but the characters talk like. They talk like, you know, kind of Joss Whedon protagonists, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It's it's a I've I've mostly read the books and, and only, I've seen a couple some of the show, but mm-hmm. it's more serious than uh, like your Marvel style. But the banter between characters is very much of the um, 
you know, ironic, uh, ironic detachment yeah. variety. So, you know, um, the Battlestar Galactica came up at work recently. Uh, someone had hadn't seen it, and so everybody jumped on a thread and was like, "You gotta, you gotta watch it, right? It's super yeah. great." I'm trying to imagine Battlestar Galactica with like quips like that. Oh yeah, like yeah. Imagine if Admiral Adama like every once in a while just like you know, so say we all right. Like you know, yeah. like he <laughs> right. jokingly said that it'd be like it would undercut everything about so many of those oh, characters. You're so yeah. right. I actually yeah. have been so in the last like month, I've rewatched the first season of mm. that Battlestar show, and you're right. It's like it is dead, <laughs> deadly serious, yes. and that's part of. That's part of why it works because you you never doubt for a second that these people are in mortal danger and they know it. Mm-hmm. It is also a reason that I feel like by the time you after like three seasons, you're like, I think I'm I think I'm <laughs> done with this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's there's not a lot of um uh, need for like stand up comedians in, in that, in that <laughs> right, future. Right. Yeah. But hey, uh, I wanted to circle. I don't want yeah, to lose track yeah. of that Cthulhu question you asked. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm running a Cthulhu game for family members of varying ages. So I want to, so my teenager is one of the players in the game and really the main audience for this game, mm-hmm. if I'm to be totally honest. And one of my goals with this, well, my main goal was just to have family time doing something we all enjoy, which is role-playing. But one of my goals was since my teenager is already in a D&D game, that meets weekly and that is very much, you know, sta- totally standard D&D uh, slapstick, jokey, awesome, fun, that sort of thing. I wanted Call of Cthulhu to feel different for them because I'd like them to know that you can tell different kinds of stories in role-playing games. Mm-hmm. So I do not especially, you know, I don't want to rub their face in the nihilistic horror that is the, you know, a Lovecraftian uh, worldview, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that's part of you know but but that is part of the different experience that i want them to get at least a glimpse of so Mm -hmm. the way i've handled it and as i describe this i don't want to make it sound too intentional kind of happened this way but we've basically had two extended adventures each of which took about four game nights to resolve and the first of them was grim and gross and disgusting and had body horror mm-hmm. and the monster was really uh you know repulsive and uh a, a lot of kind of alien style like awfulness the second adventure i i wish i had planned it it just worked out this way the second adventure was like on the other end of the spectrum of horror if like one end of the horror is you know whatever david cronenberg mm-hmm. body horror and the and the flip side of that is Scooby-Doo. Like uh, the second adventure we ran was more Scooby-Doo-ish. Yeah. In that there, the the twist of it was there wasn't anything supernatural going on. It was a guy in a monster costume, like literally. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't play it. Compl- I didn't play it completely for laughs. Yeah. But I realized as I was running that the kind of silliness of this is actually a way of reinforcing the horror when of making the horror hit a little harder when Mm -hmm. we inevitably return to it, which we are. And into the next session is going to be another grim murders and uh, awfulness. So that happened without a lot of planning, but it made me realize this is going to be a good way to do this tone thing for the most part. 
I play it pretty serious. The NPCs they interact with are taking the world seriously. They're reacting to the horrors around them in a realistic way, not a jokey or ironic way. Mm-hmm. But you, I do also believe you can't maintain that over the long term without occasionally giving vent to our need to kind of have a laugh at how silly all of this is. Yeah. So my plan is to like, you know, mostly run grim nihilistic cosmic horror, but I'm going to be intentionally interspersing interludes where we can kind of laugh at what we're doing. So that's yeah. a very long winded answer to your question. Any reactions? <laughs> yeah. I think my, my first reaction is like that. That is pretty smart, right. To, to sort of like do that pendulum swing of like, yeah, here's the super serious and here's, you know, here's the not. You know, although it is, there is a certain amount of terror if you really think about Scooby-Doo, about like these people spending so much time creating this persona that they can use to like terrorize small children. It's like, (laughs) what is wrong with you? Like, I'd rather take like the the ghost or the like (laughs) the wolf man because I can understand that. But like this, yeah. Anyway, but um, yeah, I mean, it's like there there is that. I think there is that need of like yeah, kind of like tension and release and stuff and and a lot of and a lot of things. I mean, even conversations, right? Like. yeah, I think it's like sort of like, where, where do you draw that line? And that's almost, I think it might be, that's on a group by group basis of like, what does the group need? You know, some groups might need that tension release every five minutes or so for various yep. reasons. Like, well, like what if they're, yeah, everybody's having like a really hard time at work and they don't want to like, yeah, yeah. Do your, your diplomatic sit down dinner where everything's very intense and talking. It's like, I just did that at work. Can we please go like, yeah, pull the mask off some silly silly guy you know yeah yeah um so there's that i mean and the other thing that i'm wondering too is right like so you, like completely right like has has all that stuff sort of built in even like mechanically and stuff um and then going back to your point about D, i think like there's like me- mechanics and D also sort of support that slap, slapstick they do yes yeah like um slapstick adventure as well yeah so i mean i'm just thinking about like and i think you know even like 10 candles right like we're just like talking about like how these mechanics can sort of drive the tone as well you know and i wonder if if that's sort of like the the key there right so you have some storytelling hooks that you can push on but there's also some like mechanical hooks that you can push on for the tone yeah tone as well um you know so like i'm guessing maybe i'm wrong like when you were doing the the more scooby-doo style adventure people were probably not rolling their cthulhu mythos <laughs> abilities as much right right yep. yep yeah right like and you, i think that like that's that's the sort of thing like mechanically when you're making that role like a sanity role or something like that like that feels like it has mechanical and like long-term implications in a way that i don't know swinging your attack you know, your, your sword for the second time doesn't. Yeah. D and D has a lot of stuff in the mechanics that I feel produce comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, a large chunk of the spells and this, this gets even more pronounced as you go back in additions. Um, a lot of the spells are, you know, basically wacky zany (laughs) things, right. You know, um, your alignment changes, you know, like, um, and it seems pretty clear that the the slapstick fun of it was part of it uh, was mm-hmm. part of the you know desired experience. Yeah. So have you ever if, read uh, have you read the book The Magicians before? Is that um, Grossman? Maybe. Yes, I have. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got like mixed opinions on that, but that that book, I think its version of magic feels very like very like consequence laden. 
Mm, I would yep. say, right? Like, so like every every sort of spell like has both um, a, a large amount of effort into it, and it feels like it's sort of ripping at what the world, <laughs> what mm. the world is, and what it wants to be. Yep. Whereas with D anD D, it's like, oh, I use my spell slot to make you laugh really hard, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and so I mean, I mean, how how could you not find you know the the comedy in that sort of naturally? Like, I, yeah, like I I challenge anyone to cast like Tasha's hideous laugh on on someone and not find it funny, right? Yeah. Like it's just, like it's a very funny spell, <laughs> like, right? For funny. sure. Yep. Yeah. An awful lot of D&D games I've had have wound up with some kind of comic relief character in them, mm-hmm. uh, you, like some sort of NPC companion or something like that, um, who, who serves a purpose in the story or, and in the adventure, but, you know, who winds up generating a lot of the comp, like the outright slapstick comedy. So mm-hmm. I wonder if just cutting that character out, <laughs> cutting that character out, or, you know, if you don't want that slapstick tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe do in which case leave the character there but yeah you know um and and thinking about you know c- creatures like kobolds and goblins get kind of routinely played for kind of uh their jokey mm-hmm. for for somewhat comic relief as bad guys and stuff i think that it doesn't take very much work to just to twist those guys a little bit so the comedy comic relief goes down and the you know unnerving horror goes <laughs> goes up i guess yeah. Uh, yeah 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 i mean i think um you know we need to start wrapping our conversation up yeah. but i mean like i think the like the thing that i'm taking away from this a little bit is like you know like there is there are things you can do to influence the tone part of it might just be the group that you have right like that's just yeah. they're going to kind of find the, the tone that they want um that they want to. And I think like embracing whatever the mechanics of the game give you is going to be, is, is pretty mm. important too. Yep. I think like if you're playing D and D and you're just like sort of always mad that, you know, your, your party is, is making jokes or making friends with goblins and stuff. It's like, I don't know, like D and D might not be for, <laughs> it might not be for you. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. And like, cause yeah, you're just, you, it's going to take a lot to break out of that. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you, I haven't had this problem running like the alien RPG, mm-hmm. which has is incredibly explicit about the tone it's trying to create. Yeah, and um, I mean, I get you could play it outside of that tone, but you would be fighting against both the mechanics of the game, which are mm-hmm. designed to create stress and other non-funny problems. Yeah, and against you know the spirit of the source material, which mm-hmm. is reinforced by you know by everything the font in the book the you know the (laughs) style of the map you're using um that sort of thing yeah i mean i played in a the one shot that you you ran of that a year or two ago or so and i remember i mean the character that i was playing was uh like i mean was sort of the comic relief but he was like mean (laughs) too right like (laughs) yes there's just like this element of like yeah he's the like gruff marine who's gonna like you know make a joke about um, you know, someone getting fragged next to him or something like that. But like at the same time, like, I don't know, like he was a, a drug addict and like, yeah, mean and had his own sort of like, yeah, things that he was after. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, like, like the tone, the tone absolutely like changed because of that. Cause it wasn't like a, like high five sort of laughter. It was like a get out of my way. Cause like, I'm, I'm better than you, <laughs> you sort of laughter. Yeah. That makes me think of the movie aliens, you know, and this I think is maybe just a tribute to skilled storytelling, but you know, that, that movie does have a comic relief character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Bill Paxson's Marine, who's yeah. always comically, you know, 
uh, flipping out. But that movie has none of the Marvel uh, detached irony. Mm-hmm. This isn't isn't this all kind of stupid vibe that you get. That movie feels very serious when you watch it, but you also laugh pretty hard. Yeah. When you know the when the Marines has a funny one liner, right? So yeah. I mean, maybe I maybe the solution is not to take that comic relief character out of your game. But I don't know, watch Alien a couple dozen times and tell me what you can learn about how to how to place that in a more serious narrative in a way that kind of enhances the seriousness of that narrative mm-hmm. rather than deflating it. Yeah, that's good. Well, there's your homework. Go watch Aliens. Yeah. All right. Watch Aliens a couple times. Yeah, a couple maybe, times. Maybe 12 times. Yeah, uh, maybe, and, maybe. Yeah. Email us. Tell us what you've learned. Yeah. And then watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay, cool. All right. Well, uh, this was a really good conversation. Thanks for it having was. it. Um, yeah, and I will, uh, I will uh, peek behind the curtains. Um, I think we actually said some all new, it, we didn't repeat the exact same things <laughs> the, <laughs> the first time, right. <laughs> the first time through. So I'm, I'm really proud of us. And also like, geez, there's just a lot to think about when it comes to it comes to tone in particular. Um, yeah, and I guess I would like think my final like party thought here is like, it's also okay if you don't really want to think about this, this like, this is this almost feels like almost like an advanced level um, topic uh, for mm, running yep. games. Um, yeah. And I think it's like, yeah. So, I mean, if you're, if you're happy with the tone, like don't feel like you need to <laughs> need to change it, change it either. Yeah. I agree with you there. Um, you know, um, I, I think that that slapstick adventure tone is, is a thing that makes Dungeons and Dragons and games like it just a special experience. And mm-hmm. after when you've been doing it for years and years, you're going to want to tweak it and change that tone. But, mm-hmm. but if that's a tone that you enjoy, like in, you know, enjoy the heck out of it, you know, yeah. that's, it's part of, it's part of the game. So, yeah. All right, All right. Cool. All right. So I think we're, we're done dispensing, dispensing advice for the, <laughs> that's um, right. Yeah. But so mostly, we're... mostly just watch aliens. A bunch of time. <laughs> yeah. That's never, never a bad conclusion to draw. <laughs> yeah. Draw from this podcast. Uh, yeah. So we, uh, we've been roll for topic. We're part of the roll for it media podcasting network. Our sister show, the splat book with John Corey and Kyle Latino is a wonderful, um, I've not had a chance to listen to their latest episode. I believe it is about the never ending story and the idea of melancholy in your games. So if you want probably a more nuanced take about how to, how to inject some melancholy into your game, probably go listen to that, <laughs> that one. Not the never ending story. It should be how to inject having your childhood ruined uh, <laughs> by watching it. But yes. But anyway, listen, maybe they cover the traumatics childhood scarring that happens yeah. when you watch that movie but they probably do yeah, yeah we've they... been uh, yeah i mean we've been chatting on the discord about the the movie labyrinth as well i feel like labyrinth and never ending story sort of slot into the same same part of my brain of like movies that are probably not for children but also <laughs> like a lot of children watched when you know back in the the 80s and 90s right right and stuff um yeah i think the I'm just totally going on tangents now, but the first time that I saw the never ending story was actually in Spanish at someone's, someone's <laughs> a friend's house, which is maybe the ideal way to watch it. I am not a fluent Spanish speaker. I never have been. Um, yeah. So just letting sort of the images wash over you is, uh, is there's a lot, a lot happening in that movie. This reminds me, Chris, of, uh, of, I was, I was on an archeological dig in Jordan and we decided that we really wanted to watch uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. But the only version of it we could find was it was in English on like a fourth hand videotape. Yes. So oh, almost, yeah. almost impossible to tell what's going on on the screen. And it had 
both Greek and Arabic subtitles <laughs> uh, in it and like plastered on top of each other. Uh, yeah. And it felt like a, it was a transcendent way to experience a piece of uh, film. I'll put it that way. Oh, that is great. Oh, that is really wonderful. Um, yeah, I guess watch Aliens um, on there a VHS. You go. Yeah. There, there you go. In a different language on yeah. an old VHS. All right. Yeah. We got to sign off here, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rao. And remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. Yeah.